Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. It is so good to be here this morning. I'm excited to share, not because the, the, uh, the, the topic is fun or easy, but I believe because God is going to give us victory this morning. I believe he's given us victory over fear and anxiety. In Jesus' name, there is victory. We've been in a series called Get a Handle on It. This is our second week. And uh, over the uh, this series, our goal is this, that we would grow in our relationships, that our relationships would radiate the love of Christ into our world. And uh, we're looking in 1 John chapter 4, starting in the middle of verse 16. And uh, uh, some of the reference from here, we, could, uh, we know that the Bible says, how can you say you love God who you cannot see if you don't love your brother, your sister, who you can see? This is the same text, the same scripture from where this comes from. We're not going to read that verse, but I'm going to look today in uh, verse, uh, the middle of verse 16 to verse 18. And here's what the Bible says. It says, God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. I want you to know this morning, God lives in you. Uh, just breathe that in for a moment. Be reminded. Take that reality in, in place and know that God lives in you. You say, well, I'm not worthy of God to live in me. That's why he died on the cross and his blood covers you and makes you worthy. Only through the blood of Jesus are you made worthy. Worthy. His blood has covered us. His blood saves us. It says that his love, if we live in love, God lives in us. Verse 17. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Our love grows more perfect. On this Valentine's weekend, if you're next to your special, just nudge them right now and wink at them. That's your, your moment. Our love, our, our love grows more perfect. I don't know if I just heard someone in the crowd go, ugh. <laughs> Lord, I pray they're not married in Jesus' name. Because if you're standing next to that person and when we said wink at them or, you know, nudge them and you went, ugh, there's hope. Pastor Kyle does marriage counseling. You can call him. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. Let me tell you what that word is. That word means separation. Judgment, when we are being judged, but separation is the root of that word, being separated. It's about judgment when we stand before God, but we are, there are many more days. We don't know how many days. We know Jesus is coming soon. It could be this year. It could be by the end of this day. And uh, if, uh, if, if you're like me, it's like, come Lord Jesus, today be fine. Uh, not that I don't like this life or this world, but I just know you've got something greater in store for us. And uh, it's in hope that we look forward to that. But the day of judgment, in preparation for the day of judgment, uh, he says to us that we do not have to be afraid on the day of judgment, the day of separation. But I don't want to just talk about the day of judgment that we, we will one day face at the end of this life, at the end of, of our earthly life. But we all go through separation and how we handle that separation, how we handle those moments He says you do not have to be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him, face God with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. That kind of love, such love, has no fear because perfect love drives out fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. Let me give you the root word for this. The word punishment means rejection. It is for fear of rejection. If you are afraid, it is for fear of punishment or fear of rejection. 
And this shows that you have not fully experienced the perfect love from Christ. If you are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love, the love that is from Christ. My prayer today is that we would fully experience the love that comes from Jesus Christ. That we would fully experience and know the love that is from Christ. This week, I was uh, in the car. Jalen and I turned up the radio. We started singing the song that was on the, the radio. The only problem is... As I was singing the song, I only sang the end of every phrase because I didn't know the middle of it. So I just sang the end of the song. How many know what I'm talking about? When you get to the end of it, you know that part, you jump in, but you don't know the middle. I believe this morning, there's some of us, we've been singing a song about the end, but God wants to teach you how to sing the lyrics to the middle part. He wants you not to just have a hope for the future, but to know the hope and the peace of God in this moment, that you would learn the whole song and fully know the love of God and fully experience. How many want to fully experience the love that comes? from Jesus Christ. Father, this is our prayer this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's life changing. I ask Holy Spirit that you would cause the words that flow from this mouth, God, to minister to hearts and make us new in Jesus Christ. Bring your healing. We pray today. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen on your way to being seated. High five three people and tell them I'm going to learn the whole song. I'm going to learn the whole song. I'm going to learn the whole song. I'm going to listen to it and know the whole song. Fully experience the love that comes from Christ. Man, it is so good to see you. So good to have you here on, on this, uh, th- this Sunday. I believe a special Sunday as uh, we're always gathered in the house of the Lord. They called Super Bowl last Sunday. And uh, if that's what you call the Super Bowl, something to get excited about, I'm glad we really know what the Super Bowl is because every Sunday is exciting to us when we come into the house. How many are just excited every day, every Sunday, you get to come to church? How many look forward to coming to church on Sunday mornings? I'm just waiting to see where all the people are. I got drug here. That was my... As we already mentioned, we're in this uh, series called Get a Handle on It, and I don't know about you, but there's some things in my life I need to get a handle on. There's some things in my life that affect the ability to have better, not just good relationships, but healthier and stronger relationships. The importance of having good relationships is that our relationship with God is affected by our relationship with one another. You cannot separate them. You can't separate saying, I love God, but I hate the people that go to church. I love God, but I hate his people. That, that's like saying to a, a, a friend of yours, man, I love you. I just can't stand your wife. <laughs> I wonder how much love he'll have back for you. Uh, you. It's the bride of Christ. And as we learn to grow in relationship, we learn to grow in love and grow in relationship with one another. This has been our goal according to Romans chapter uh, 15, verse 5, says that we would, uh, our goal is that we would become complete in harmony, uh, complete harmony in one, with one another. We can have harmony, but complete harmony. And as is fitting for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, for those who belong to Christ, this is the fitting thing to do. Saying this means that if we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, getting along with one another is not an option. It becomes the word of God that what we're called to do, to develop in our relationships, to grow in relationships. But here's the problem. We all have been affected and impaired by the way we've learned 
and expect the way that we expect to receive love and the way that we understand love. We talked last week about those who, who have been affected in life who become avoiders. And instead of being able to have healthy and developing relationships, they've been conditioned to avoid life's problems, to try and avoid because they don't want to feel a sense of, of need and weakness. And so their whole thing in life is to be self-sufficient and to take care of themselves and to do it on their own. And there's a, there's a, 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 a difficulty there that we become avoiders. This morning, I want to talk uh, about not just those who are avoiders, but I want to talk to the people pleasers in the room. See, we, we've all been affected by the way we expect and understand love. It started just because of being born in this world that is a fallen world. My parents are great people. They love me with all of their heart. They've done good for me, but my parents are, are imperfect people. My parents have shown me in their best abilities and some things that they've not, they, they've not intended for me to, to interpret and understand have it just in reality become a way that I've been conditioned and I've learned how to expect and how to receive love. We live in a broken world. The Bible says in Exodus that the sins of the fathers are passed on even to the third and the fourth generation. Now we pointed out that we're not punished for our father's sins. We're not punished for their sins, but we are affected by their sins. All the way back to when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit in the garden, when they disobeyed God, when they put their own way in action, when they stepped out in their own understanding. That's why the Bible makes it clear in Proverbs. Do not lean on your own understanding. How many know leaning out on your own understanding is not a strong branch to hang out on? Leaning on your own understanding is not a healthy place to be. But in all of your ways, acknowledge God. We're challenging us to say, let's make sure in our ways of loving, in our ways of developing relationships, that we're not leaning on our own understanding. That it's not just the way we are. We made this point as well. That you might say that there's, person, there's a, a way that you respond to things, that maybe if you're an avoider, a people pleaser, or, or you carry, and we even said about a, a victim mentality. We talked about being a control freak, and those things are all coming up. I'm not telling you what order they're in. You just have to show up and get, get caught with it. So I already told you what we're on today. But all of those things have, have been ways that we have, we have learned, and sometimes we can say things like, well, that's just the way I am. But I think it's important for us to know that in Christ, you can never have the excuse to say you're born this way because Jesus came to make us new creatures. You can't just say that's how I was born, that's how I am. If that's how you are, then in Jesus' name, let him change who you are that you might become more like Jesus Christ. That's our goal. And so looking at this, we're all affected because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that, that we don't intend sometimes. There are, there are evil people who intend to hurt people. They intend to inflict pain. But for the most part, they're good people who don't intend to hurt people. But even in their best intentions, they still end up hurting. Why? Because we're not sufficient in ourselves to love the way that we need to be loved. Only Jesus Christ can love us the way that we need to be loved. Only Christ can supply and meet all of our needs and provide all that we have need for. This morning, looking at people pleasers. Now, right off the bat, if you were to say, man, if there's an issue to have, that's probably the best one to have because it sounds so nice. I'm a people pleaser. I'm just, it's all about people. It sounds at first to be so selfless. It sounds to be so selfless, and I'm just all about pleasing people. I just want people to be happy. It is true that you think about people, other people, more than you think about yourself, but it really means you've addressed their needs more than you've addressed your own needs. It sounds good to say, I'm a people pleaser, but the reality is that people pleasing is not so much an act of service as it is, not an act of service, but an art of managing. 
pleasing. People pleasing is a coping mechanism. It's how we cope with tension. We have learned that instead of, of dealing with tension, we would rather just try and on the onslaught take care of it and not have tension. We try to alleviate the tension in the room by being a people pleaser and taking care of it. So in reality, it sounds good to say, I just want to please people, but the reality is not that you're trying to please people. It's you want to protect yourself from feeling tension and you don't want to deal with tension. So you'd rather just do what you can to make it go away. To try and please and and, and, and pacify and make people happy to go along with it, to just get along with it. That becomes more about managing the tension than it really is about serving the person. And in, in, in reality, at the heart of it then, becomes some parts of selfishness that's in there. And I know that doesn't sound nice. But if we're prone to pleasing people, it really has a bit of selfishness attached to it in that I'm trying to protect myself from feeling discomfort and the, and the tension that's in the room. So I'm serving to try and alleviate the tension. I call it wanting to serve the people, but in reality, I'm trying to make myself feel better. And it's my way of coping with the issues and the things that are going on around me. It's more of a coping mechanism than it is really an art or an ability to be able to deal with what needs to be dealt with in our lives. We all may have places and things that we're dealing with that we haven't fully confronted. Now, as we talk about this series, we're going to be talking each week, as we did last week, talking about some of our experiences and, and how we, it affects us growing up. I want you to hear this, though. We're not about digging up the past. We're about addressing the baggage that we've carried with us from the past. That's so clear. I'm not asking you to dig up the past and stuff that's already been dealt with. Leave the past in the past. But if you've carried some baggage with you from the past, you better deal with the baggage. You're not going back to deal with the past. You don't have to go far because you brought it right with you. How many know what I'm talking about? So don't hear me saying, oh, we're, he wants us to dig up the past and talk about difficult things or things that were in our lives. No, I'm not saying go back and dig up the past. I'm saying be real about the stuff that you're carrying from the past and you haven't dealt with some baggage. You haven't dealt with some stuff that's right in front of you that you have to deal with. So I want you to hear that clearly up front because this isn't about digging up where we've been. This is about identifying the stuff we brought with us from where we've come from. And all of us bring bags with us. We've all brought baggage because we've learned and we've experienced, we've been conditioned with life. I've got 39 years of living that have conditioned me. I've got 39 years of watching the circle or, or watching the world turn. And I'm not, a, I'm not a pro at it. I don't understand it all. But I have developed some predictable measures and some predictable things that I see and with anticipation. I hate to admit, one of them is this. You watch people who are excited about something at the beginning, Give them a little bit of time. They won't be as excited as they were when they get to the end. We're good at starting, not good at finishing. There's these predictable measures, these things. And here we become conditioned. And sometimes we become so conditioned to don't expect things to get better. Just learn how to deal with it without really dealing with it. Just get by. Just let it go. Now, the problem with that is you're saying let it go, but you're carrying that stuff with you and you are not able to allow peace to enter your heart and your mind. Let, let me just give some things about a people pleaser, okay? Uh, here's here's, your, here's your, uh, your checklist, just to see. People pleasers might be, so I don't know if there's any in the room. People pleasers might be someone who has a hectic schedule and who has an issue with being on time because they overcommit themselves to meeting other people's needs and expectations because they have a fear of letting people down. Do you know anybody like that? People pleasers might be someone 
who finds it difficult to make decisions for fear that they might disappoint somebody. Here's a classic one. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. It's up to you. You, you pick. It's prone to indecisiveness. Now, that's not, that, that doesn't mean, well, if you can't pick a restaurant, that's, that puts you in the category. It's just an example that we, we become indecisive. I'm talking to me. You see, last week, I'm not an avoider. I could talk all about avoiders. This week, it's like, mm, because I'm with you. If you're a people pleaser, here we are. My name is Jason. I'm a people pleaser. I believe that God can cause me to recover and give me. He is recovering me. There is a process because there's learned and trained behavior. Here's the thing. So here's another one. People, uh, people pleasers might be those, might be someone who has a hard time being alone. They have a hard time being alone or away from crowds or not with people because not being with people or even specific people not being around them feels like rejection, and they have a fear of being rejected. People pleasers might be individuals, might be someone who craves reassurance and affirmation for a job well done. They want to know that they've done a good job. Now, you might say, well, we all want affirmation. Everybody wants that. But I'm talking about the part where it becomes such a desire that we say, hey, did you notice I? Hey, what would you think about? Hey, did you see? That we point attention to it because we want the assurance that we're being approved. Why is it? Because people pleasers have a fear of not being approved. Having, they have a fear that they're not going to be uh, approved or accepted. People pleaser might be someone who prefers routine and predictability. They like everything happening at such a time, in such a way, in such a place. They like predictability. Why? Because the unknown allows the opportunity for things to go wrong, and they can't operate well in the unknown. So they want everything to be just the right way because they fear the unknown, and they fear the potential of something going wrong. I don't know if you've caught it. At the heart of this, the characteristic of people pleaser is fear. Fear grips at the heart that when we're, when we're at a place of trying to serve and we make it as we're trying to serve people, if you look at the heart of what drives that, it is fear. That people pleasers, that when it's, when it's out of bounds and it becomes something that they're so prone to and that they ignore their own needs, that it's all about trying to, 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 to take care of the tension and absorb the problems, to fix everything, come up with a solution. They are taking on themselves a weight and a burden and the reason they're doing it is because they're driven by fear. Their thoughts are driven by fear. Even their way of loving is driven by fear. But the Bible says, we just read it, that perfect love drives out all fear. That instead of love being driven by fear, love drives fear out of the way. Fear is what drives people pleasers. Think of this. People pleasers out of fear, they try to drive love into people rather than allowing perfect love to drive fear out of the people pleaser. Fear becomes the technique or becomes the way that we, that we operate. It's a learned behavior that we do what we do out of fear. And the problem with that, that it's not, it's called love, but it's driven by fear. But perfect love has no fear. And sometimes people pleasers are good at doing good things for people because they're afraid if they don't, they won't have the approval or the acceptance or whatever they fear will not be in line with what they want. And so they do what they do out of love and concern for the person, but in reality, it's more connected to their fear that if they don't do it, things won't go the way they like or they won't feel the acceptance or the approval that they're looking for, and fear becomes a driving force. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but fear is a powerful thing. Fear is a powerful thing. 
Fear has a way to, of waking you up and shaking you up and making you address things. Fear's powerful. Fear can cause you to do good things, but fear alone isn't enough to make you do it for a good reason. Fear can cause you to do something. I, I know uh, uh, having a fear of God is a healthy thing, but if all we do is fear God and it causes us to just do what we do because we're afraid if we step off the line, he's got a billy club, he's gonna beat us up, he's gonna, he's gonna forsake us, we're never gonna make it into heaven, we're not gonna be good enough, we won't have what it takes. I believe the church can be good if it's not careful at creating people pleasers. The church can be a good place where we use the scriptures and use the things of God to create a fear of I've got to do it just right. I'm offline if I don't do it just right. And it creates a people pleaser in us that God says perfect love casts out fear. I thank God that I'm on, I don't want to go to hell so I know Jesus. But how many know because I don't want to go to hell might make me believe in Jesus but it won't make me love Jesus. Think of that. I don't want to go to, hell is not enough to make you love Jesus. Hell is enough to make you believe and turn to Jesus. It can correct you and cause you to look to Jesus, but you'll not grow passionately in love with him if he's just the guy that if you do wrong, he'll send you to hell. Think about that. How is that? And, and we adapt that, that philosophy in that way. Why? Because we've been taught that. There's condition, there's thing. But he's a God of love. Does that mean that he does not bring punishment? Oh, no, don't get that mistaken. He is a God of judgment. He is a God of punishment. He is a God of wrath. But I want you to know, like my mom would say, when I would cry, and I would say, you know, crying or whatever, and mom had a way of saying, I'll give you something to cry about. You, if you think that was worth crying about, I'll show you what to cry about. I'm like, no, I'm good. This is good. But I almost feel like that could apply and say, if you think this is God's punishment, wait till the day of judgment. This isn't punishment. This is correction. This is discipline. This is preparing us to be in the right direction. Punishment, oh, you don't want his wrath. You don't want to fall into the hands of an angry God. You don't want the wrath of God to fall upon you, but here's the good news, the gospel, that he made a way that you might know Jesus Christ, that you might not have to live in fear of what could happen, but you could live in the joy and the hope that he has given you a promise and he has turned your life around. When you know how good he is and what he did for you, now hell is not where he's gonna send me if I'm not good. Hell is the place that I deserve, but his love and his mercy rescued me and he brought me around. When I know it in proper context, I don't fear God. God. I don't just fear him to get away from hell. I know and recognize what he's done for me, and that's where love flourishes, and that's where love goes. But if fear alone, it can make you do good things, but fear by itself will not make you do good things for good reasons. And sometimes people pleasers adapt doing good things, but they don't have good reasons attached to the good things they're doing. You know what it's like that you can do things, but your heart's not in it. Well, this is my obligation. This is my duty. This is what I'm supposed to do. And we can get in that concept, in that place, but looking at the heart of how we address and how we love, that we would not be people driven by fear. When we get caught up in trying to please, it relieves us of our fear, but it does not have the ability to cast our fear away or to drive our fear away. I don't know what it is for you that maybe you need to get a handle on some fear, and fear is one of those things that if we don't get a handle on it, it's gonna get a handle on us. Fear and anxiety, there's a difference. Fear is what we all face. We all have a reason and something that faces us to be afraid. You have a reason to be afraid. I have a reason to be afraid. 
The disciples were in the boat. The storm was raging. It was crashing against the boat. It was, it was hitting. Water was coming onto the boat. They had reason to be afraid. And all the while they had reason to be afraid, Jesus is sleeping on the boat. If you know the story out of Mark chapter 4. Jesus is sleeping. He's in a place of rest. You have reason to be afraid. The problem is that sometimes instead of just addressing or facing the reason we have to be afraid, we allow that reason to get a hold of us and it produces anxiety. And now anxiety controls us. I want you to know that there's a danger in anxiety. When you hear people pleaser, it sounds harmless. It sounds like it's just a, a, a way of, of serving people and it's all about people and I just overextend myself for people. And there's some truth to that. It sounds good. But in the reality, at the heart of it, people pleasing is really just fear masked in good works. People-pleasing is really just fear masked in good works. And there's a danger when we let good works be what drives us. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. That if you have faith, it should produce works. If you have faith without works, it's dead. But let me also say, if you have fear with works, it's paralyzing. If you have fear and it's with works, it's paralyzing. It's unproductive. It might cause you to do good things for people, but it doesn't produce in you the health and the life that it could if you do it for the right reason. If we're driven by love, driven by fear only makes us come to a place where we feel like we have to do it more. And here's the danger. I'm a people pleaser, and as a people pleaser, my desire is that I want to be approved. And if I want to be approved by you, then my goal in being approved is by serving you. If I serve you enough, you approve of me. And the problem is that only relieves the tension for a little while, but now i got to keep doing what I've done before with other things to keep feeling good. The problem with me wearing the weight of having to earn your love and earn respect and earn the approval that you keep working for that and working for that, at some point you're going to wear out. And here's where the line is so thin between those who are avoiders and those who are people pleasers that if you don't know the line healthy if you're not good at it if you don't get that under control you'll slip from just being a people pleaser to now be an avoider because you get to the place that you're worn out I can't do it anymore and in some terms it might even be in line with such a thing as a nervous breakdown that anxiety can overwhelm and stress us to a point. Now, some of you might be here today and say, well, let's just talk about how Jesus heals. You better believe Jesus heals. But let's talk about the reality that if we don't get a control, if we don't get a handle on what, is in the, what God has given us to have self-control, to take control of the mind, to allow our mind to be on Christ, if we don't put those things in order, they will overwhelm us. And it literally has the ability to cause stress, to cause heart attacks, to cause issues, and even nervous breakdowns, and as well, relationships separation. That if you don't handle it in line, you'll separate. And here's the problem. You'll usually be stretched so far for everybody, but the people who will pay the price are the people closest to you. You'll stretch for everybody else, but the people who will pay the price are the people closest to you. And being guarded in our heart that we allow this to be in the right place, in the right reason. And this, I know that as we hear this, it causes me to recognize and look at myself and say, man, I've got issues. I'm messed up. No, you see, they're not just my issues. I borrowed them likely from my parents or from other influences. And people have taught me because we've learned from broken people who even doing their best the love that we need is not enough to just come from other people to us. Only perfect love we can really grow from is when we know the love that is from God working in us. When we receive the love that is from him. I do need the love from people. But the love from people cannot fulfill me 
The love from people only allows me to put into practice the love that I've received from Christ. If you've not received the love from Christ, you're going to search for love all your life. If you've not received the love that comes from Christ, you're going to stretch yourself, give yourself, do everything you can. But fear drives what we do when it's all about trying to get the accolade and trying to get the approval and trying to win people over. That fear can drive what we do. Fear is a powerful thing. But may we not love just because of fear. May we love because of what God has done in us and allow that to be healthy in us. We might be people pleasers, and you may have gotten it from someone. You borrowed it from someone, but today I'm going to say don't give it back to them. Let's cast it out in Jesus' name. You may have learned some unhealthy ways of looking at life, and let's not just give it back. You borrowed it from somebody, but let's get rid of it. Can I, I want to take a moment, and again, I don't want to remember this. I'm not asking us to go back and dig up the past, but I'm saying maybe you need to identify some baggage you brought with you. You hear me? Somebody say amen if you understand that. Because it's not healthy to dig up what's already been dealt with. If it's already been dealt with, you let it go. But if you've brought some baggage with you, then you need to deal with the bags that you brought along. Here's some things that, how does this develop? And, and I find this interesting because the home life is so important. One of our core values or faith essentials, we call them here at Faith Assembly, is that we are committed to the family. We believe that one of the emphasis that we have of a core value and emphasis here at Faith Assembly is that we want to be strengthening the family because as the family goes, so goes the church. As, as goes the church, so goes our community. It doesn't do good to have great worship services but not solid home life. We want to affect the family. And so with that being said, I think it's good to address where does people pleasing come from? It goes all the way back to the home. And let me just give you some two things that really affect where people are driven by fear to be people pleasers. Are you following me so far? Is this making sense? You follow me? Let me give you the two places. Number one, in a home that is overprotective. Now, please, I'm not, this is not a, a, a put-down condemnation. This is just a, hey, we got to recognize maybe there's some things. Let the light bulb turn on and say, hmm, maybe I shouldn't do it that way. Maybe I, need to, maybe I need to allow change. Maybe I need to, how many know it's okay to let the Holy Spirit turn the light bulb on something and say, hey, I could do that differently? Is that all right? Is that all right? All right. Because if you do leave here saying, well, he offended me, that wasn't nice, then I guess what we could do is just say, in Jesus' name, God bless you. He'll open up your eyes. And Paul did say that. You know, Paul said, just, you know, pray, that, pray for him that God will reveal to him that we're right. <laughs> That's what Paul said. Paul said, just, just pray for him that God will show him we're right. We got, we're not right, but according to the word, practice what God would put in place. But here's some things that really develop that. Fear is, is passed down because in environments and places that are overprotective, Parents can step in and they think they're taking the role of comforting, but they're really taking the role of rescuing. Instead of bringing comfort, they're bringing rescue. And what they do, there's an overprotective role that there's uh, trying to keep injury, keep harm, not let bad things happen. And it sounds like it's healthy, but in reality, it's not healthy because comfort is different than rescue. Comfort means helping, helping people process through their pain. When you comfort someone, you help them process their pain. When you rescue someone, you try to keep them from feeling pain. But how many know it's unrealistic in life to not feel pain? And if you take on the role to try and keep people from pain, you'll realize you come to a place where you can't do it. 
because you cannot protect anybody from pain. Only God, and even God doesn't protect us from pain. He walks with us. Even though I go through the valley, even though I walk through the fire, I go through the water, he says, I'll be with you. He didn't say, I'll rescue you and keep you from going through it. He said, I'll be with you as you go through it. He is a God who comforts us. He doesn't just rescue us. He rescues us at the end when the comforting process goes through because when I'm comforted, I'm learning this. When I'm comforted by God, I'm learning I can trust God. How many know we need to learn to trust God? How many want to learn to trust God more? Be careful. Because what that means is you'll have to need his comfort to, to rely on him and depend on him. Your trust in God grows as you comfort in him. Listen, that means the same in our earthly relationships, that our relationships grow healthy and strong whenever we comfort one another and process. That's different than protecting. You follow that? It's different than rescuing. Because when we rescue we treat or we condition people to say and think that I should never feel pain. And if I feel pain, then that means I'm not loved. It means it's not working. It means it's not right. It's not happening. How many know that's not the love of God that he speaks for us? That's not the love. We're going to go through pain, but pain, when you go through it, means I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be here to love you as you go through what you're going through. And so sometimes that overprotective, uh, what it does, it teaches us to fear. And so kids that grow up in that place, they become people pleasers. And the way they become people pleasers is that you always look out with fear. And fear is always trying to see what's around the corner. And so you're always trying to please and take care of things and serve things to try and eliminate the issues. But you can work as hard as you can. You'll never eliminate all the issues. Because there's always something that is out of your control. How many have found out that life is out of your control? You can do all you can do. Here's the other thing that it does. The, the other home that, that it can cause people pleasers. That the, the one being overprotective can teach us how to fear. The other one is when you're in an environment of highly critical or angry critical people, parents. That if we're highly critical, what we do then is we put on a child. Now, these are two extremes. One sounds, one is the rescuing parent who just loves and is trying to protect the child. The other is a highly critical home that really just puts down. And some of you can relate to that. So you know what it's like to grow up in criticism and, and, and be told that you're not good enough, you'll never make it, you don't know what you're doing. You know what it's like to feel the pressure of having to tiptoe and walk and get the approval. And that people pleaser is developed because the fear is if I can eliminate and please this person, whether it be a parent or someone, if I can please them enough, then the tension will leave the room. What's happening is the tension that is in the room that is caused by an irritant person is now being absorbed by this person who's trying to please and diffuse it, but the problem is this person can only absorb so much tension before it reaches a breaking point. You can only absorb so much tension that when you take that on, and some of us, we don't have good boundaries because we take on other people's burdens and other people's problems because what we're trying to do is to relieve the tension and we're trying to make things better, but in the process, we're hindering and hurting ourselves. So fear is taught and we're developed in a condition but remember, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Raise your hand if you've ever had a reason to be afraid. That was just testing you to see if you're still paying attention because every hand should have gone up. Ushers, the hands that did not go, please bring out the uh, pads that are out in the lobby there that make a loud noise and zap them back to life. Let's get them the fibrillators. That we are, 
we are conditioned and we learn fear. But here's what I want to, I want to give us some words of, of encouragement today that I, I know that we have been conditioned and taught how to fear. And that fear causes us to try and be people pleasers. And we call it that we're loving people. And yes, you do love people. Yes, we do want to protect people. Yes, we do want to help people. But there's another motive to it. And that is that we do it so that the tension is gone, that we feel a relief and we feel an acceptance. But if we're going to get the fear under control, if we're going to allow not the anxiety to overwhelm us, some of us are going to have to practice putting good boundaries in place. Let me just give you three things, and I promise we're going to close quickly because we have a 2 o'clock meeting, and if you're a member, I hope you're coming because we need 68 people to have a business meeting. I'm just telling you like it is, all right? Tell you like it is. If you don't have 68 people, then we have to, what am I talking about? You'll be here. You're faithful. You're committed. You, you love the Lord, and you love what God's doing here. And if you're a member, you signed up to be a part, so I know you're going to be here. Now all the people that are members weren't planning on coming, you're coming now, all right? All right, just kidding, just kidding. Listen, let me give you these three things that and you, can, you can write these down just as how do we handle the fear, the anxiety, putting good boundaries, good things in place. Here, here's number one I want to tell you today. Be confident. You need to develop your confidence. The Bible says this, and, and the verse that we read, he says, we live in God and our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus on this earth. He's given us the permission. Now, I want you to follow me. Listen to this. If I can have confidence to stand before God on the day of judgment, why can I not have confidence to stand in the face of fear while I'm on this earth? Think about that. If God says you can have confidence to stand before him, then why can we not have confidence? Here's why. Because we don't take God at his word all the time. We learn the end of the song and forget the middle. We know how it ends and we sing the song at the end, but we forget that God wants to give us confidence in this place that we are. He's given us hope not only for this life, but for eternity. He's given us hope for both. You need to develop confidence. Sometimes your confidence will be developed in the night. It'll be developed in difficult moments. I don't know about you, but I've had moments that I've woken up in the middle of the night and something comes into my mind and I start thinking about something I cannot control and my mind will not shut off and it's hard to fall back to sleep. You ever been there? It's called worry. It's called doing what I'm not supposed to do. And if I let it go far enough, it's sin. It's sin. And the anxiety of what I, gonna, what I can do, I, I tell you, when I became the pastor here almost six years ago, I lost a lot of sleep. I mean, I asked people, hey, is there a way to get out of this? I mean, how do you? Because I literally, I said, God, I don't have what it takes. I can't do this. And then some people came along and reminded me, I don't have what it takes, and I can't do this. <laughs> then there were other people that came Listen, there were more people who came along and said you can than there were who said you can't. But how many know it tends to be the ones who say you can't that get in your ear a lot louder than the ones who say you can't? What is wrong with me? Oh, you have issues too. Don't look at me like that. I mean, you don't have what it takes. You know how they did it. You know what they do. You know what this is. That I lose sleep and say, God, I don't know. I'm a people pleaser, so I got to keep everything happy. Want to keep it going. Want to keep it all good. Keep it all good until the Holy Spirit had to remind me. Listen, Jason, I'm not in your hands. You're in my hands. 
you're not using me to work something. I'm using you to work my plan. This is not your doing. This is my doing. I made you from the foundation when you were still in your mother's womb. I knew you. Before you knew where you'd be, I knew where you were going. I'm in control of this. And I got to let confidence come on me and say, God, here's my confidence. I don't have what it takes, but you've called me. And your calling is more than enough in my life. You give me confidence. You feel unloved. You feel like you don't have what it takes. You've got to know the confidence that God wants to give you. You can't earn the love of God. You can only receive the love of God. You've got to develop confidence. Whoever told you you can't. Now, if you can't sing, don't let somebody tell you you can sing. Okay, I'm not going that far. Don't go out of bounds here with me now. All right. If you don't have a voice to sing, I don't care what your mama said to you. Get off the stage. Put the microphone down. All right. Uh, come on, just be real now. All right? I'm not saying this, be whatever you want to be in Jesus' name. Just dream the stars and go, where, no. Come into alignment and say, God, I want you, I'm confident in what you have for me. It might not go the way I want, because here's why. Because too often we want God to meet our needs according to our wishes instead of according to his riches. He said, I shall supply your needs according to my riches in glory. But we want God to supply our needs according to our wishes. I want it to go like this. You know, people pleasers, you're trying to make it work a certain way. You're trying to get your way out of it. You're trying to line it up. And then when it doesn't go the way you wish, God, I thought you loved me. God, I thought you were for me. God says, oh, I am. I don't want you to settle for your wishes. I want you to know my riches. I don't want you to settle for what you think you want. I want you to experience what I have for you that is more than you can ever ask or think or imagine. I need to bring this to a landing. Let me give you number two. Number, number one, we've got to be confident. Number two, we've got to be confronting. Listen, I did not say confrontational. Confrontational means it's in you, but confronting means you're facing what's in front of you. Now, there's some in the room, you're confrontational. Like, I got this. I'll do face to face. I'll put this down. I'm on this. I'm not talking about confrontational. Because if you're confrontational, you are the issue. Uh-oh. Did I just say that out loud? Ashley, what did you say in my ear? Oh, she's not even up here. I'm in trouble. It's all me. If you're confrontational, now listen, if you're confronting an issue, you can confront an issue. But if you're confrontational, likely the likelihood is that you are the issue. So you got to confront, but people pleasers aren't really confrontational people. So I'm talking to people pleasers that you've got to confront things that are in in your life. You've got to confront the stuff. If you're afraid of letting people down, you've got to confront that fear. And the only way you can confront the fear is head on doing it. If your fear is, and listen, it is not a compliment. If someone comes to you and says, you're so busy. Now, there are people that always talk to me, and they'll say, hey, pastor, I'd really like to talk to you. I know you're busy. That is not a compliment to me. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a word of respect, not confident, not compliment. When they say to me, you're busy, I say to them, well, we'll find time because I know you're respecting my time. But if you tell me I'm busy, that's, a, well, you know, I'm just busy. Well, you know, I do a lot of things, you know. I'm, I'm busy. Yeah, busy. I'm good. We've, we've treated this in our culture that busy is a compliment. Busyness is from the devil. If someone, if your schedule is so crazy and so busy, that's not healthy. 
So if that's, it's not a compliment, now it might be a respect of time, but you've got to know how to confront issues or confront those things. If you have a hard time telling somebody no, you got to find the right people in the right places. Probably not a good idea to walk into your, boss, your boss's office tomorrow and say, I'm not doing it. Preacher taught me how to have confidence. Going to put boundaries. I'm not doing that job. <laughs> not the one I meant. <laughs> Don't try that one talking about the extra things that we pile on because let me tell you Jesus family the kingdom of God the work of God your workplace it falls in line don't ever say no to Jesus you got to put proper boundaries and places in your family but don't leave your family and I thank God I can say this as a pastor's kid my dad never left me to go do ministry he took me with him to do ministry my dad my dad didn't leave me to do good things for God my dad said I'm going to show you how to do this. My dad brought me along, and he didn't leave me and abandon me and walk away. And what I mean by that is if there's any good work to get caught up in, we could justify and say it's the work of the ministry. I mean, if there ought to be a workaholic anywhere, I ought to be the pastor. I'm not, by the way, because busy is not healthy. And if you say to me, you're busy, I'll say to you, I've got boundaries. I've learned. I put things in place. I'm not busy. I'm not out every night of the week. I'm not stretching myself all over the place. I'm not doing all that stuff. Why? Because that's not of God. That's not how God called me to be. But when I carry the load of that, I'm a people pleaser trying to earn everybody's attention, attraction, and get things done. It's not healthy. So I am a recovering people pleaser, and my schedule is a lot lighter than it used to be. Because I've had to confront some stuff in my life. You've got to put boundaries in place you got to confront some things. Let me give you the last one because I know we got to close. And here's the last one. Last one is this. Be changed. Be changed. You're never going to change until you come to the place of getting tired of hitting the repeat. I'm 39 years of living this life, and I've seen patterns in my life. The patterns in my life that I have to address. And I can go along far enough and say, well, it's their issue. It's because of this. because of my stress. It's because of that. It's because of how they treat me. It's because of what happened to me. It's because of this. It's because of that. And I can live my whole life pointing to all the things that are problems and allowing the pattern. Or I can come to a place and say, I've got to confront that. And when I confront it, God by his spirit will begin to change me. He begins to change me from the inside out. That I can fully experience the love that comes from God. It's time to change time to change the pattern and the way uh, that we are. Maybe there's some boundaries, some things that need to be put in place. And I want to just say it directly like this. Here's what we need to do. For those of you and us that our mind gets so caught up with anxiety, with thought, with things that are going on, I want to say this to you. Stop the bleeding. Stop the bleeding. If you would have a wound and bleeding out from that wound, the first thing you do, and I'm not even a medical person, but I found this out, you apply pressure to the point of that wound. Why? Stop the bleeding. If you let that bleeding continue, oh, you might feel weak and get a drink. You might feel uncomfortable and get a nice, comfortable position. But if you don't stop the bleeding, your drinking or your your nourishment or whatever it is is not going to work for you because at some point you're going to lose consciousness. 
at some point you're not going to be in the right frame of mind. I want to say to somebody on the verge of your anxiety getting a hold of you, the devil wants you not, listen, I'm going to say this not in an offensive way, but the devil wants you to lose your mind. But Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, keep your mind in all things because in the last day, evil is going to come on the earth. And when the evil comes, you better keep your mind. Get your mind in the right place. What's that mean? Don't be overwhelmed by anxiety, overwhelmed by fear. Stop the bleeding. What's that mean for you? Get your thoughts under control. Quit being driven by your fear. Quit living according to how you fear. Quit living according to what might go wrong. Your marriage might be hindered because you've got it in your mind that your marriage is wrong. Change your mind. Change the way you look at it. Change the perspective. You've got to allow, you've got to allow the change to happen in your mind. Because if change doesn't happen in your mind, it doesn't matter what changes around you. It will never satisfy. It's got to change in your mind. Philippians. I'm going to close with this. We're going to sing the song and pray. Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry or be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Somebody say, fix your thoughts. Tell your neighbor, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Some of you, listen, if you do this seriously, this will change you walking out of this room right now. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Here's what he says. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is righteous, what is pure, what is lovely, and what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. When you think about fear, you just set yourself up for fear. When you think about what could go wrong, you just prepare yourself for those things, or at least keep yourself from experiencing the joy that has God has for you in this moment. How many would say today, there's some thoughts you've got to take captive. You've got to put some pressure and stop the bleeding on some thoughts. Is there anybody? I'm not showing you how to raise your hand. I'm telling you, I know what this means. There's some thoughts that you've let run away. You've let some thoughts you're not loved. You've let some thoughts, you're, 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 you, they don't love you. You've got some thoughts that it will never change. You've got some thought patterns, and the Bible says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. You've got a pattern that's going on. Hey, get a handle on it. Quit the pattern. Quit it going the way it's always been. Get a handle on it. Get control of that. Take control of what's in front of you. Because don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some of us know what it's like to have our soul saved. But some of us got our soul saved and forgot to let God save our mind. Notice where the helmet of salvation goes. It's called a helmet for a reason. Hold it over your heart. No, that's your breastplate of righteousness. But the helmet of salvation. Why? Because your soul is affected by your mind. He saved your soul. Now let him save your mind. Let him save your mind. Let your mind be in peace. And there are nights, listen, I'm telling you, I know what this is like. I know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night and let your mind be in a place 
and feeling like I just need somebody to fix this. And there's nobody that I can call on but Jesus. I know what it's like to lay there for feels like hours and lay in my bed and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to change my mind right now. And I wish he would come and do it overnight or overnight. I wish he'd do it right in the moment. But there are times I'll lay there and I'll say, God, I just need your peace. God, I need your rest. God, I need your comfort. I need you to give me confidence. You say, well, Jason, what's going on? What's so wrong with you? I'm telling you what it is. I'm learning how to find my confidence and my strength in Jesus Christ alone. Because it could be easy that when it feels hard that I could busy myself doing something. Or I could call someone and tell me, tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I need to hear. Tell me what I want, what I really want. Tell me what I need. Tell me whatever it is. Go ahead and bring it to, tell me what I need and put it in perspective and reality what I need to do is say God I'm alone in your presence because you are enough for me you're all that I need 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 I know it sounds so simple is there anyone who would be real with me that this is harder to do than it is to sing about It's harder to live than it is to preach about. (laughs) I got the preaching thing down. I mean, I can open your Bibles. Let's talk about this. I I don't want to be a preacher of the word. I want to be a follower of the word. I want to say, God, let this get inside of me. Let this transform me. Let this change me. And in Jesus' name, let him give you a new way of thinking.